Hey, yogis, on this episode of Love Service Wisdom, I would love to just share with you my own personal yoga journey, how it started and how I got to be where I'm at today and the twists and turns along the way, you know, a little get to know you time so you can have a little bit more background about me and my interests and um, influences and perhaps feel some simpatico resonance with your own journey. So I'll just kind of jump right into it. I, uh, I found yoga when I was working at this place in Sarasota, Florida, Sarasota, Florida, called Michael's Seafood Grill. And I had a dear friend whose name was Sherry, and she was just like a mom mentor to me. We were best of friends, and we really enjoyed working together. And I was, I would say, probably 20 at the time, and experimenting with spirituality in lots of different ways. I'd been on the path since I was 15, but that's a story I'll share at another time how that happened, but was a seeker for sure and was curious about yoga. And I'd had come across the word many times, but wasn't really familiar with what it was besides knowing that it was a practice where you moved your body and sometimes it was breathing, but maybe it was meditation too. And it seemed like there were these austerities that could be a part of it. And maybe I'd have a guru. I didn't quite know. So somehow this came up with Sherry and she said, well, when I was your age, and she was probably like my age now at the time in her forties, I'm 40. She said, I learned yoga too. I did it out of a book called Richard Hittleman's 28-Day Exercise Plan. Just an easy little thing. You should get that and do that too. So probably that night I went home and found somewhere online, this was back in 2000, a copy of Richard Hittleman's 28-Day Exercise Plan, a used copy of that, and ordered it and it came and it was a turned out to be a 15-minute daily home practice where there's big pictures of this beautiful blonde woman and like a leotard and pantyhose. The book was published in the late 60s and simple instructions on how to move your body into postures. And at the end of each daily sequence, there was like a thought for the day, which talked something about what yoga was or philosophy or nutrition, or I remember this one like yoga for beauty or something like that. So anyways, I started the home practice and did it really pretty consistently those whole 28 days. And at the time I was a student and studying psychology and was noticing how uh, my practice, this little short practice was having effects on my mental states and also some of my behaviors. Like I, you know, would casually smoke while I was drinking or hanging out with friends in college and things like that. And I no longer was smoking cigarettes. And I remember thinking to myself, hey, you like to smoke. Like, why are you doing that? Like, I remembered that I hadn't done it. I remember trying to do it and just thinking it was the grossest thing ever. Literally have not smoked since then. And so that was remarkable. And I also noticed how what I was eating was changing, the types of foods I was drawn to and what I was putting into my body before I had no like nutritional health awareness and would kind of just eat anything. I've always been, I guess, blessed with the genetics of a pretty high metabolism and have been quite thin um, my whole life. So never food or dieting or exercise has never been like an issue for me in that way. So I never thought about it and probably didn't eat very well at all. And I started to eat healthier and make healthier food choices. And I thought that was kind of associated too with this yoga practice that I was doing. So it was really fascinating. And since I was studying psychology, my passion was like, how do I, um, I was already kind of thinking about what is, what are the heights of human potential and what's possible and how can I become like my quote unquote best self and how can I have a psychological health, and it became apparent that asana, yoga, posture practice could be a pathway to that. So it was pretty exciting. And then I found a class at the college I was going to in Sarasota, New College. There were two teachers, Eric and Isabel, who were peers. They were students too. And they had gone down to the Shivananda ashram, ashram in the Bahamas and studied 
there and they came back and were teachers for us at the school. And so twice a week, I would take a free class with Eric and Isabel in the basement of the little fitness center. And so that was my introduction to a group class, which I really enjoyed. And I thought they were fantastic teachers. And um, that was my yoga was my yoga journey. It was like kind of a personal one I would do at home. And then the one and the class that I would sometimes maybe get some college friends to go with me to. And then when I graduated college, I had, thank goodness, this level of self-awareness where I knew with my degree in psychology, I'd have to go back to school and study more. I wasn't like set for, uh, I wasn't employable just yet, let's say. So I knew I would be studying more and going to graduate school eventually. And I thought to myself, well, you know, you've done lots of things during school. I was a film major to start out. And then I thought I wanted to be a teacher, an educator. And it landed on psychology, which I really, really enjoyed and thought, well, out of all these experiences that you've had, what have you enjoyed the most? And if you had to do something, if you had to dedicate your life to something that you enjoyed, what would it be? And really what came to me so strongly was I enjoyed my yoga class so much. I enjoyed the way it made me feel. I enjoyed the level of self-awareness that it gave me. I enjoyed the potential that it contained uh, for personal growth. And I saw how it could really easily weave into my passion for psychology and that it was also a path of spirituality that I was just starting to kind of dive into. So because Eric and Isabel were teachers and they were my age, I thought, oh, I could become a yoga teacher too. So my plan was post-college to go and receive my teacher training. And that was in 2001. And so my dad was wonderful enough to uh, gift me as a graduation present, a trip wherever I wanted to go to in the world. And I thought, well, I then want to go all around the world. And I was planning a, this worldwide adventure kind of backpack solo trip or then too, I would go to India. I had a book, I believe it was called From Here to Nirvana. And it was about different gurus and ashrams and sacred sites in India and kind of like how to get there. So I studied that book a lot and kind of had like a map and a plan of these different ashrams I would go to. And eventually I'd find a place that resonated with me and study there to become a yoga teacher. So I had all that planned for 2002. And that fall, 2001, it happened to be September 11th. And when that occurred, the energy in the world just shifted and became a lot more intense. It was strange too, at the time I was living in Sarasota and that happened to be where George W. Bush was on the day of September 11th, reading at this elementary school in a classroom where I was uh, in the Big Brothers, Big Sisters program. And I had a little sister that was at that school that he was reading at, the book at, the goat book or whatever it was. And I would go there every week to be with this little third grade girl. And then he was there um, at that school and the airport where he left was right next to the college campus that we were all at. So we flew out of there too. So that was strange weird kind of coincidence. And then that Venice flight program too, I was, that's a whole nother story of all those pilots that used to come up to Sarasota that I knew in this nightclub that I worked in. So just kind of eerie and felt a little close to home. So I thought, you know what, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be a good idea for me to just take off now and go over to the Middle East by myself. I know my parents will probably be super worried the whole time. So I won't do that to them, but I really want to study yoga. That was my main intention. So where else can I go in the world where I could have a trip that feels a bit safer and become a yoga teacher? And I just did like the first Google search came up with the Nosara Yoga Institute in Costa Rica. And I looked at their teacher training program and there was one happening that January in 2002. And from the looks of it, it seemed really resonant with my interests. And I had gone to Costa Rica when I was 15 back in like, I don't know, 94 or so, and really loved my time there. Um, it was over spring break. I was there for about a week and a half and it was just magical. And I knew that I always wanted to come back, though I sort of had forgotten that dream over the years. So then when I saw that, I was like, oh, definitely. That's where I'm going to go for sure. Costa Rica. So I signed up 
and went by myself down there that January to the Nosara Yoga Institute and studied with my beloved teachers, Don and Amba Stapleton, who were of the Krupalu lineage, but had moved to Costa Rica a number of years before and opened up this yoga institute. And I believe it was maybe like their second or third uh, year of training down there. So it was kind of a fresh program. And there was maybe about 35 or so teachers, student teachers in the program. I was probably about one of the young of, youngest of them at the time. I was 22 and just fell in love with everything about it, everything about self-awakening yoga that they taught and this interdisciplinary method of um, the, the multidimensional self and witness consciousness and the deeper aspects of yoga that again tied to my interests of spirituality and psychology and it was my home and I felt like I had entered into this sort of like university program on how to become and be and live my most best most awesome self so so incredibly grateful for having found that and then I went back uh, that April, a few months later, and did the 100-hour advanced teacher training, which you weren't necessarily supposed to do at the time. I think you were supposed to have more training under your belt when you did the um, extra 100-hour advanced training, but I was just too enthusiastic. And so fortunately, Amba uh, had always had a sweet spot for me and still does. And she let me enter that program. So I did an extra 100 hours. But when I got back uh, from Feb in February from the original training, I just started teaching right away for my friends at the um, at the little Rosemary House compounds. They had my college friends had a, like an open studio space that I would go to and just give free classes to them. And then I went back and did my advanced training, like I said, and then I moved that summer to Washington so I could spend some time with my dad, who I hadn't really known growing up. And started teaching at a little yoga center in Puyallup. I think it was called like Namaste Studio. And then I was teaching at the Y, the YMCA in Tacoma, you know, and had the experience there where they were like, make sure you don't say the sound of Om and none of this spirituality stuff. And uh, of course, I was like, sure, sure, of course not. And then I remember one of the first classes I did say Om in the beginning you know, I give people the option, like you can say it with me or just listen, it's up to you. And I remember after doing that, this person left and then like this like heavy, you know, like heavy meaning like a bouncer type person came and just stood in the back of the room with their arms crossed the whole time. So that was a little intimidating at the time. And what was that? 2002, the YMCA didn't like the ohms, but I think they're more open to it now. Anyways, just I knew when I was there, when I did my teacher training, that my life, I would be a yoga teacher. Like I, I was taking it for myself, yes, but I was also taking it because like this was it. I wanted to offer this to the world. So I started teaching right away and taught, like I said, those places that summer. And then that fall, I went to um, Canada and studied with Patabi Joyce in Montreal for about a week and did my 10-day Vipassana sit and um, then drove from Ottawa, Canada down to Costa Rica, which is another story in and of itself, but then drove to um, Nosara with my partner at the time, this man Colin, and we lived there in Nosara teaching. I was teaching yoga at the Institute and working for Don and Amba as kind of like a little assistant and helping them with their manual and all of that and running a juice bar, the juice lab, as it was called right there in Playa Guiones, which it's all built up now, but then it was just jungle and this juice bar. So living in Nosara, living in Guiones, teaching yoga and running a juice bar. And life was pretty fabulous. I was pregnant though with my daughter, Maya. Colin and I had decided to get pregnant and I was thrilled and I had wanted it so bad. But then when it was occurring, I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> what are you going to do now? Are you, what is your plan? Come on, girl. What is your plan? And uh, a little bit into my pregnancy, my mom let me know my family had moved from Florida to Montana. They were in Montana that she was also pregnant. 
and that she was pregnant with her seventh child. And it was a surprise. So after about, I don't know, being maybe like six or seven months pregnant, left Canada, or sorry, left Costa Rica, and then went to Montana to spend the rest of my pregnancy with my mom. And she kind of just like recalibrate and get my head on and figure out what my next step was going to be. And then when I came out there, I was living in the middle of nowhere, southwestern Montana, where it's basically just ranchers and mm, some like, you know, tiny town, small business owners. So my trade was becoming, was was a yoga teacher. So I just started teaching while I was pregnant that summer at like church basements and community centers and a restaurant that was closed during the day and the school after school in one of the classrooms and just any place like that I could find all around the little valley and did that all summer. And then my mom, she started taking classes with me too from me and she became inspired and decided she also wanted to become a yoga teacher. So long story short too, my mom and I ended up having uh, our babies, my daughter Maya and my brother Morgan on the same day in the same hospital, magically, coincidentally. And that's a story for another podcast. But having my brother born with my daughter, they were like brother and sister. And I was living in this little barn bunkhouse on the family's ranch with Maya. And it was just kind of the perfect setup for being a single mom. Colin and I had decided not to stay together. So I was there, a single mom, teaching around the valley. My mom went to become a yoga teacher too, and the babies were two months old. She went down to do her month-long teacher training at the Seven Centers Healing Arts in Sedona, Arizona. And we had decided to open up a yoga studio so we had just opened up this tiny little yoga studio and I was caring for both of the two-month-old babies and figuring life out. And that was kind of an intense time. And then she got back and we were running the studio together and did that for maybe about six months or so. And the building that we were renting was owned by Jehovah's Witnesses. And they had decided that what we were doing Uh, was practicing Hinduism and it was another religion and it was against their religion to take money, to earn money from another religion. So they kicked us out of the studio and said to the strange thing, I remember them saying, you're practicing out of body experiences and we just can't have that. And I was like, if anything, we're practicing in the body experiences, but okay. And we didn't really fight it. We decided it'd be best to build our own studios. So we turned a bunch of the horse stalls in the barn uh, on my parents' ranch into a yoga studio. So we we built, my mom and my stepdad and myself and my brothers, this uh, like 1,200 square foot yoga studio at the ranch where the horses were. And that became the new studio, Twin Spirits, inspired by my brother and my daughter. And I knew opening the studio that... Um, I wasn't going to live the rest of my life in rural Montana, but I was inspired to open it with my mom because I knew when I left, she would always have that as her place and her outlet, her outlet, which she still does today. So that was in 2003. So gosh, 16 years later, she's still got the studio, still teaching classes. It's always so fun to go back. I love it. I was just there a couple of weeks ago and, um, Yeah, just so grateful for having that space and opportunity. So I ended up staying in Montana for five years till my daughter Maya was five. And I went back to school, got my degree in transpersonal, my master's degree in transpersonal psychology, which, you know, is the perfect for me avenue of spirituality meets psychology. It's an amazing path and just learned so much and still use a lot of that, uh, in my teachings today and made so many great friends in the program as well. And then there was a little university, the University of Western Montana, which was in Dillon. And I reached out to the university and started teaching yoga there, but not yoga classes at the university. I guess I eventually did that too. But first I was teaching courses like in the, you know, like the 101s or whatever on yoga history and philosophy. So I just created my own courses on yoga history and philosophy. And I did like an Ashtanga immersion and then eventually started teaching at the college too, 
um, like I said. And so I had those fun outlets of yoga happening while I was getting my degree in transpersonal psychology. My thesis was on yoga as a path of oneness. So I had that. And then um, moved to Sebastopol, California for a little tangent experience of opening and running a eco-psychology and transpersonal psychology-based substance abuse treatment center in the Redwoods there in Sebastopol. I didn't teach very much during that time because it was so focused on administrative stuff and opening the center. And then went to Seattle. I had met a man, uh, Bill, who was to become my future husband while I was in Montana working also at a hospital. When I was living in Montana, I was like single mom, going to school full-time, running the studio, waitress at night, teaching at the university, pretty much doing everything that I could through my 20s, which I look back now and it's kind of strange because normally a lot of people in their 20s are quite free and bohemian. I certainly could have ended up that way. But because I chose to have my daughter Maya, I was like, just get serious kind of person and working a lot and studying a lot. And also being out there without a lot of culture or connection or young people. So wasn't doing much besides those things and my own study and kind of just disconnected for quite a while, but met Bill while I was out there and he was in Seattle finishing up his uh, master's in public health fellowship at the UW and he was a physician. And so when he finished that we, well, I was up in Seattle with him for about nine months before coming to Boise. And when I was in Seattle for nine months, I started to take yoga. I kind of had like my first pause and break, especially after that heavy five or six year work period of school and single momming and all those jobs and running the studio. I was in Seattle and I didn't have to work. Uh, and I could take classes. I went to the Power Yoga Studio, the Baptiste-inspired studio. Uh, what was it called? Shakti and Ballard. It was fantastic. So many great teachers. And then just two while I was there, got to like Krishna Das came through and I got to do my first kirtan with him and Amma came through and I got my hug from her and Byron Katie came through and I got to go to a lecture with her and Elizabeth Gilbert came through right after Eat, Pray, Love and got to listen to her and not to mention all the music I got to see. So that was a like eye-opening time, especially after spending so many formative years in my 20s uh, in Montana not doing those kinds of things. It was, yeah, it was just wonderful. I'm grateful for it. Moved to Boise with Bill where he wanted to work at the VA. And when I got here, I just felt like I was sort of in a transition point, definitely, where I didn't know if I wanted to go back to school and finish my PhD in transpersonal psychology, become a counselor. I'd kind of had hopes of like becoming a college professor, professor for real, but maybe not. But I knew I wanted to do yoga always. And so while I was kind of just letting myself land and see what wanted to emerge and what what place I might have in Boise, there was a studio called The Muse that you could um, rent space at, you know? So it wasn't like I had to get hired by a studio and teach to their class schedule. I could hire out or uh, rent out, sublet out my own time. And so maybe, I can't remember what it was, but let's say I was teaching it like Mondays at 10 a.m. And then that was just my class. And the students who came, they paid me. They didn't pay the studio. So kind of like a co-op sort of experience. So I was just teaching at the Muse a couple days a week. And I, I remember creating these flyers of myself, like that I, I had this photo shoot with a friend of mine in Seattle, an old friend, this guy, amazing photographer, Zach Thomas from Florida, an ex-boyfriend from when I was in college. And he came out to visit us while he was... Um, on a tour up there. And he took photos of me like in my street clothes and my Converse doing like fun arm balances that I was learning how to do while I was at Shakti and doing this power yoga flow. So I had these pictures of me like in the street in my street clothes doing yoga. And I used those to make this flyer for dynamic yoga is what I was going to call my style of yoga. And I posted them around town and invited people to take my classes at the Muse. And so some people eventually started to show up. The classes were never that big, but it was maybe like two to six, perhaps. And I was doing that for 
a few months when a woman came into class, Heather, and she was just like, I went to Nosara too. And I was looking for somebody who also trained at Nosara and I found you and you live in Boise. And I went up in a yoga studio and Boise needs a big yoga studio and blah, 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 blah. And uh, I want you to be a part of it. And I'm like, well, you know, that sounds great, but I've actually already opened a yoga studio and I definitely don't want to do that again, but I could help you. I mean, I'll just consult with you. I'm happy to guide you with what I learned while I was doing it. And so I had no plans of opening a studio, but was meeting with Heather and another woman, Marcy, and then another woman, Kendra and Mark, who were partners. And the four of them were kind of Boise natives or had been there for a while and they knew the lay of the land and felt like a Boise needed a studio, a new studio. And we were kind of in this process of visioning and missioning. It was, what year was that? 2009, the summer of 2009, 2010. And uh, at the time there was Bikram, of course, Bikram studio. There was yoga at the Y, that's where Heather taught. And there was the Muse where we were co-opting. And I think most of us were teaching there. And like a yoga for wellness and the yoga tree and yoga for life. I think those were the few studios, you know, just kind of smaller, small scale studios that were around. Um, so we were getting together and I was really inspired by Shakti and Ballard, like this big, full, complete, like modern, urban feeling yoga studio. And we were wanting a wellness center as part of it. And, you know, like a big dream for a a downtown studio. And after a while, it became apparent that Marcy, she was just about to have a baby, her little daughter, Ash. And so she wasn't quite really ready to do the whole studio owner thing. And Kendra and Mark were maybe a little bit more dreamers at that phase too. And Heather was go, go, go. Like I'm making this happen. So she kind of pulled me aside. was like, let's just do this. And I was still like naive about it and just thinking, well, I'm not... I'm, I'm not opening a studio, but I'll help you. Sure, I'll just continue to help you open the studio if you want to. And so we were looking for places downtown in Boise. And if you know Boise, it's where the 10 Barrel is now on 9th. And what is that, Bannock? It was a big vacant building. Um, I don't know what had been there before, but nothing was in there then. It was this huge space. And we had invited a guy that I knew through... My husband now, his Bill, his family, new uh, architect, Bruce Poe, Modus Architecture. So Bruce met us there, Heather and I, and we kind of just picked his brain like, what can we do there? And what's the city code? And how can we design this? And he was very generous with answering all of our questions. And then the very next day, he called me and said, you know, you two are looking for a yoga studio. And I really think the spot in the building that I'm in is perfect for what you're wanting. So then we went and looked at that and there was this um, business that uh, was a personal training business in this downtown building, like right around the corner for where we were looking, that had gone out of business, that had gone bankrupt. And it was perfect for exactly what we were wanting. We were All we would need to really do was build a wall and create this yoga studio room and a lot of the facilities were there. And so a couple months after finding that spot, the doors opened and we had Sage Yoga and Wellness. And I was now a yoga studio owner, just sort of like unfolded that way with Heather. And I was just going with the, yeah, I was going with the flow of what the universe was providing me. And we opened and Heather had thought that she was at a point where her kids were cool and old enough, you know, that mom could kind of finally do what she wanted to do and be less of like just full-time mom and was feeling that her life was ready for this. But it turned out that that wasn't quite the case and her life was not ready for her to be working again. And she then had to go also go back to work for the airline, which she didn't anticipate either. So for her and her life, she was getting this giant no, that this isn't good for you right now. So about a month after we opened, she told me that she's like, I'm you know, basically breaking down and having anxiety and panic attacks. I'm not sleeping and this is not working for me and I can't do it. So we worked on me then just becoming the sole owner of Sage Yoga and Wellness, which I have been now 
since that time. And it's been nine years of owning the studio. And so it was this huge uh, blessing in disguise of me not even realizing what I was doing to create this space that's a really wonderful community center, all kinds of great teachers and students. And it's I just feel so blessed, so blessed to have that, to have the studio. And so I still have it now and got that going. You know, the first few years of owning your business, you're really enmeshed in it. I remember so many late, 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 late nights just staying up, like doing the website or writing copy or doing the mind body or doing the newsletter, pretty much taking care of every aspect of the business for years. Um, and got into, I would probably say like an unhealthy pattern of working a lot, which I, again, I think can maybe happen to small business owners for sure. Unfortunately, I was working a lot in teaching and doing some private yoga also. And at the same time, um, got involved with Radio Boise here in town and became a DJ on the radio station, the community nonprofit, non-commercial radio station. That started in 2010. So kind of the same time that I was opening the yoga studio, I got a show on Radio Boise every Thursday, nine to noon. It was Toast and Jam. And I had a co-host. It was my sister-in-law, Sarah, for a while, and then a friend, Chad, and then a friend, Ryan, and a friend, Matthew. And But I was the steady DJ for that every week. And through Radio Boise, I got connected with a new festival in town that began in 2011. That was Treefort Music Fest. And through my just enthusiasm and passion for music and bands and community, they invited me to be on the artist committee for the um, music festival. And then through that, at the same time, I was doing things like going down to Wanderlust in Tahoe and bringing students down to Wanderlust and having that as part of like like a summer ritual for a while and seeing what yoga was like in a festival environment. And then so being part of Treefort Music Fest, I was like, hey, you guys, it'd be kind of cool if um, we had some yoga as part of the music festival. I think people would like it. It'd be a nice way to reset and it could be pretty low key and simple. And I bugged them all year about it that second year. And about two weeks out from the festival starting in March, they finally said, hey, you can teach yoga class. Why don't you teach a class Saturday morning at the shrine and Sunday morning at the shrine and you can do whatever you want to do. And It wasn't ideal at all in any way, shape, or form, but I said, sure, of course, you bet. And a friend of mine, Celeste, she's a dance teacher. I went to her and said, Celeste, you teach a dance class and I'll teach a yoga class and we'll call it Yoga Fort, you know, as part of Tree Fort Music Fest. And then that birthed Yoga Fort, which is now in its seventh year as part of Tree Fort Music Fest. And it's just really grown into this incredible three-day yoga festival with an emphasis and focus on live music. So each class or movement experience has live music. Um, And it's another offering to the community. I want to highlight local teachers and musicians and give them this really cool platform to teach to a broader audience than we normally have. And then also bringing in um, from the greater national, international scene, teachers and musicians that I come across in my own travels, bringing them to Boise. So Yoga Force is totally rad. And I've been doing that each year since 2012 with Celeste. So that's a little yoga festival side project. And then in 2013, I was invited by my friend Debbie Murphy to go over to Bulgaria to film with Udaya, who was just getting started, udaya.com, which is an online yoga streaming website. And they use this film studio in Sofia, New Boyana Studios, where like huge blockbuster movies or films. Think like, uh, is it The Expendables and uh, 300 and like the Gladiator type shoot 'em up stuff, things like that are filmed there slash yoga classes. So when those aren't being filmed, yogis come over, at least we used to. 
and film these big studios. So Debbie was going to be a, like a yoga model in classes for this incredible teacher, Micheline Berry, and they needed a few extra yoga models, people to be in the classes. And Debbie invited me to come over uh, with them. And I just jumped on that, not knowing who Micheline was or really what I was getting into or even what Udaya was. I didn't even think it was, I didn't even, I don't think I knew that it was even part of Udaya when I went over there. But that was another time when I just sort of followed my impulse of getting a real resonant yes and doing something that I didn't quite know uh, from my mind what exactly it was. So I went over there and I didn't know people. Most of the folks that were there were from LA and knew Micheline really well. I just knew Debbie and her husband, Mike. And I like I have said in another podcast, I was studied film early in college and when I was in high school too. And so I was kind of interested in the directors and, you know, the producers and the cameramen and how all of that was happening in this movie set. It was so cool. And so I was chatting with this guy, Andrew, who was one of the directors, just because I kind of didn't have any other friends or anybody else to talk to. And he said to me like the second or third day during lunch, oh man, you know, we were supposed to shoot Dervla today at one, but Micheline's reshooting her class and Dervla's got to be in that. So now we don't have anybody to film. He's like, you want to come and, you know, you teach yoga, don't you? We could just film you for your class. And I literally said to him, Andrew, I don't know what you're talking about. And he looked at me kind of strangely. And I'm like, what do you mean like film classes? He's like, don't you know, like a lot of people here in the other film studios are filming their own classes to put on Udaya. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't know that. But I mean, sh- sure, I teach yoga. Like, I guess if you need somebody, I can help you out. So like a couple hours later, I was in front of the cameras doing my first filmed yoga class, which is up on <laughs> Udaya now. And that began my relationship with Udaya. They liked it. I filmed another one while I was there. I did like a beginner flow class and then I did a yin class and they liked me and they liked the style. And so that was in November of 2013. And then that um, early the next year, they invited me to come back that summer to film more classes. And that February, I had just started to write my own yoga book inspired by my experience with Richard Hittleman's 28-day exercise plan. I wanted to create a modern version of that where it was just up to date with the flow and the languaging and current for our times and obviously newer photos than the black and white late in the leotard type of thing. But still the focus being uh, something that was really accessible to beginners like it had been for me and something that um, was as basic as you could get for coming and getting into and out of the poses safely without being it being too much. And again, that was what was so helpful for me when I began. Like I felt like, oh, I can do this and it's okay. And thus I am who I am today, basically, because that book was so great. So inspired to create a new book that instead of just saying in the framework of here are the poses, here are the poses, was also geared towards um, the experience of self-awakening. And so like the last day, spoiler alert, day 27 in my book, you're invited to your own flow because over the past 26 days, you've been gaining this intimate personal relationship with your own body and your own prana and your own energy and what it feels like to move. So hopefully you can then have a practice where you don't necessarily need a teacher or guide. Your body is going to guide you. So that was the book I decided to start working on called Vinyasa Yoga Made Simple, 27 Days of Self-Discovery. So I just started working on that book when Udaya asked me to come. And I said, sure, obviously I'd love to. And I'm working on a book. Maybe we can do something with that. And they were like, great, let's do it. So I got... Um, over the next few months, the flows down and everything that I wanted to do each day and was trying to keep it simple to these 15 minutes sequences each day. And then it came time for me to get ready to create the classes to be filmed. And I thought I was going to do, um, like day one, I would film a class that's the same as day one in the book. But then when I was 
went to actually plan that out, I realized the timing of what's in a book that you're reading by yourself is just so different than what's spoken and taught by a teacher. And I was really kind of um, freaked out and disappointed, like, this is not going to work. It's not going to work. And so I called Patty at Udai and I was like, hey, you guys, I'm really want to come still, but I don't want to do my book anymore. It's just not working. Like I can just film, you know, classes. Yeah, I can teach vinyasa or yin or whatever. Easy. And Patty, to her credit, was like, no, like you're passionate about your book and we want to support you. We want to film something that has to do with your book. So I was just like, okay, I suppose I'll figure it out. So what it landed on was I could create a companion piece where there was the 27 flows in the book. And then I could create 27 um, classes that were similar like, but maybe like the next level or sequence in a slightly different way. 15 to 20 minute daily flows that felt good with what we had done in the book just like maybe level two. And then it included a yoga nidra class that was me guiding you into that space with the music of Sheila Bringy in the background, which was amazing. But the other classes that I filmed, the 27, were just me in the studio by myself talking to a camera and they were short also. At the time, Udai was just filming mostly hour, hour and a half classes. And I was this random person who was there by myself filming 15 or 20 minute sequences. Because I knew that uh, it it was just so accessible and easy to drop into. I was excited about the opportunity to share a practice that you could do almost at any time. So film those with Udaya was great. And at the same time, when I was there, I convinced Yuriv, the owner of Udaya, to publish my book also, which was a big step for me to make that ask and do that pitch. And he graciously himself said, yes, we will support you. We will publish this book. Udaya has never done a book before, but we'll figure it out together and we'll do it. So then they pulled photos from stills, images from the videos to create all of the images in the book. So the book and the videos are really this great companion piece together. And that was 2014, the summer that that happened. The book didn't come out until June of 2017. It took that long to get through the editing and the making of the book, but we stuck with it and it finally came out. And I still have those now today. And you can still do the classes. They just turned the book into a PDF online at Udaya and you can do the videos as well. So there, those are there as a really cool resource. Um, yeah. So wrote my yoga book got the yoga festival. And then I started teaching at festivals too. So I had that experience, experiences at Wanderlust. And I, you know, like a lot of us yogis thought Wanderlust would be like the pinnacle. If I could just teach at Wanderlust, then my yoga life and career will finally go to the next level. And I was a Lululemon ambassador. So I was a Lululemon ambassador here in Boise for four years, which is longer than they normally give to their ambassadors at the time. It was usually just two years, but they were very supportive and extended it. And um, 2014, that same summer that I went to Udaya, Lululemon was a big sponsor of Wanderlust and said each state could you know, pretty much nominate a teacher to represent that state and teach at a Wanderlust. So Idaho nominated me and I was able to go to Wanderlust Tahoe and teach classes and taught like five different classes over the four days. And I was a DJ at the time too, like I said, DJing for Radio Boise and then kind of developed this other alter ego of DJ Shocker Khan where I was spinning final records and DJing out. And so I DJed at Wanderlust too, at a couple different events, the pool party at high camp. I DJed and I DJed the roller disco party. And it was just amazing and wonderful and exhausting. I think I had like seven gigs with the DJing and the teaching over those couple days. Burnt me out for sure. But I also started teaching at yoga for it, which I was doing here in town. And symbiosis down in California, I would teach there. And I was teaching the Sun Valley Wellness Festival. 
and then expanding out to other things over the years, like What the Festival and Oregon did that for a few years, and then Burning Man teaching there, and and then uh, and then Udaya was a sponsor of Yoga Fort here in Boise because we had this relationship back and forth, and then they wanted to create in Bulgaria, move away from just the filming of classes and create their own yoga festival. So they created Udaya Live. And then I would teach at Udaya Live and DJ at Udaya Live too. Because those guys are just so awesome. They're just like family. I love them so much. I made so many, have made so many beautiful life, life informing connections and relationships through Udaya. So thanks to you guys so much. I've been over there filming Again and again, they'd bring me every year back to film more, uh, 2013, 14, 15, 16. And then they started the Udaya Live and then was teaching at the festivals. This is the first year I've actually not gone over there. And I'm there. it's about to come up next week in August and I miss it. But I needed to take the year off to just recalibrate my whole existence and have kind of pulled back from all that festival teaching that I was doing the past few years, taught at the Eclipse Festival too. Symbiosis merged into the Eclipse Oregon Eclipse Festival um, a few years back. What was that? 2017. So taught there also so I could be there for the full eclipse, which was epic, epic, epic. Wow. Undescribable. So did that whole scene too. Festival teaching. What else? Then with Walter Yoga as well, met that crew, Gordon Ogden and Kate Swarm and Walter Yoga through Udaya, but then also the different connections through festivals and just reaching out to them because feeling a resonance with them and their teaching. So had their friendship as well. Oh, and then retreats, obviously. So Celeste and I started teaching yoga retreats. We did our first one together in 2012, where I took a group with her down to Teotihuacan, Mexico, where I had gone previously many times to do Toltec shamanic work. And we decided to do a yoga dance retreat slashy Teotihuacan experience there. Wow. Incredible and hard, hard as heck, that for first international retreat experience. And then Celeste and I took a group down to Nosara uh, and the Bodhi Tree. And then we took a group to Hawaii, to Kalani with our good friend Rainbow Eric. And so I've done retreats as well. And um, haven't done them in a number of years, but because I'm doing things more with my new partner, I've since gotten divorced from Bill. We did our conscious uncoupling experience starting in May of 2017, so a couple years ago. And I'm in a new relationship with the musician East Forest, who a lot of yogis know. He and I met through mutual friends years ago and would see each other too at the different yoga events and festivals and him playing music and me teaching or DJing and had a friendship. And then we started teaching leading retreats together uh, a couple of years ago down in Boulder, Utah, and now teach at Esalen together as well. And that Boulder retreat that we do also but flashing back to Nosara and my training, I left Nosara in 2003, but always wanted to go, to go back and study more with Don and Amba, who I w- literally probably think about every single day. I'm staring at a picture of him right now on my bulletin board from that time in 2003 when I was with them, just super smiley at the end of the program. They mean so much to me. So I wanted to go back and do a training with them. And my like highest, if you would have asked me at the time, you know, five or six years ago, what a life goal was, a life goal that I would have, it would be to um, facilitate and assist one of their teacher trainings, their month-long trainings. I wanted to be an assistant for their training in Costa Rica. I wanted just more time with them. So 2003, I went back for their 100-hour pranasage training, which was happening in February in 2013, February of 2013. And at the time, I had my daughter, Maya, who was maybe like eight or nine, and my son, Benji, who was like a year, like 16 months or so, like a year and a half old. 
And I hadn't been to Costa Rica in 10 years. I was finally going back. I was finally going back for two weeks. I was finally doing this pronostage training, which I had wanted to do in 2003, but didn't get a chance. And so it was just, as you can imagine, really looking forward to this experience. And this is an embarrassing story, but my husband at the time, Bill and Maya and I and Benji, we get to the airport. It was like Valentine's Day in February. And show up at the airport like four in the morning. And Bill and I are very experienced world travelers. We've both traveled a lot by ourselves and a lot together. And we get to the airport and we do not have a passport for our son, Benji. And they look at us like, you're not, you can't take him. We, I thought, for some reason I thought, he thought too, we could travel with him to Costa Rica with just his uh, birth certificate because he was a baby. And that's not the case. You need a passport for your infant. So it's four in the morning and they're just telling us, no, we're not going. We're not going. You can't take your kid. You're not going to go. And Bill, he was going to be there for a week with Maya, kind of on vacation and helping me with Benji while I was doing the training. And then Maya and him are going to go home. And my mom was going to come down with my brother Morgan and they were going to spend a week with me and help me with Benji so that I could do the second week of the training. So I was going to do the training and he, Bill, was going to do, was going on vacation. And so his mind was kind of like, oh, well, we can't go to Costa Rica, but we can go on a week vacation somewhere. Where else could we maybe go? Like, let's reroute this. And I was just like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> I need to go to Costa Rica. This has to happen. And I said, why don't you and Maya get on the plane? You guys can go down there together and make it happen. I'll stay here with Benji right now. We were going down a couple of days early and I'll figure out what to do with Benji because all we got to do is get him cared for for a week and you're going to be back with Maya. And my brother, Chuck, was in town. He was going to paint the interior of our home while we were away. He was visiting us from Hawaii. So Chuck was there, but Bill's family was also living in Boise, his mom and dad and his two sisters and their families. So we had family here. I'm like, I just need to coordinate with family, getting Benji cared for, and we can make this happen because then you guys are going to be back. And he, I think he was too much in shock and disbelief to argue with me. So him and Maya got on the plane and I called Bill's mom and she came and picked up me and Benji and I explained the scenario and everyone was really gracious and like, okay, we'll help you make this happen. And I bought another plane ticket for myself for the next day. And my brother, Chuck, who was probably like 30 at the time and, you know, not in a relationship and didn't even have like a dog at the time or care for things, let's say. And I was just like, Chuck, this is how you take care of a baby. And you got to get him to daycare in the morning and you got to pick him up from daycare. And this is what you do to get him ready. This is what you do when you pick him up. And just, you know, Bill's family's here. His grandma's here. Aunts and uncles are here. We can all do this together. So they did. They took care of Benji for that week while Bill and Maya were away, I was still breastfeeding at the time too. So I had to go through that whole weaning process while I was in Costa Rica and missing Benji. And of course, then when I was down, I was like, what kind of decision did you just make? But it was happening. And like I said, kind of an embarrassing story, but it was the way it went down and everything turned out perfectly fine and okay. So I got my 100-hour pranasage training so then I had 400 hours of training, right? And I didn't ever think I wanted to be a 500-hour RYT. Like I didn't know what the necessity was for myself for that. I didn't know what the urge was. But my friend Debbie, the same one who knew Micheline, she was at, um, had a school here called Shanti Yoga School. And I was a teacher for that. I would teach different courses for her teacher trainers on meditation or asana or the chakras or bandhas or the business of yoga. And I decided to do my last hundred hours of training through Debbie and Shanti and did an immersion in the business of yoga and wrote for her a big piece for her manual on the business of yoga. So that was my hundred hour training. And I became a 500 hour RYT teacher. I just kind of had that in my back pocket. And meanwhile, through all of this, running the yoga studio here in town and people would ask me over the years to uh, teach them to become a yoga teacher 
to be a teacher trainer. And I would always say no, just because really when I did my training at Nosara, it was so impactful. It meant so much to me. It had such a huge influence. I didn't think I could, like who was I to think that I could give that same kind of depth of impactful life experience. It felt like too big of a job and I didn't want to do it. So I always said, no, like I can't teach you to become a yoga teacher because that's just, that's a whole other thing that's super sacred and I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready to be in that role yet. I didn't know if I could dedicate my time, like give enough energy to it, to what I felt like it would need. So I always said, no, 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 no. And, uh, 2016, a woman approached me, Naomi, here in town, Naomi Jones and her partner, Paul, and they said, hey, you're an RYT 500, and you happen to be one of the few RYT 500s in Boise. There's not a lot of you. I didn't know that. But they were looking to start a 300-hour teacher training program. And to lead a 300-hour teacher training program, you had to be 500-hour certified. The 200-hour teacher training plus the 300-hour teacher training equals 500. And I was a 500-hour RYT. And they were looking for somebody to partner with that was a 500-hour RYT. They weren't that yet. They were just 200-hour to create an advanced 300-hour teacher training program. And so they pitched that to me and I thought, oh, well, yeah, I could do an advanced program because the folks have already had their 200-hour like life-changing experience. I can help take them further from there. That's of interest to me. And so we would start to plan... Um, what a 300-hour program would be with all these different advanced philosophy modules, essentially, and partner with different teachers in town. And we're going to run it through the yoga studio, through Sage. And we started to advertise that we were creating a 300-hour program. And so many people were coming to us and saying, well, we want you to do a 200-hour program. And at first, we're like, well, that's not what we're doing. Sorry, it's a 300-hour program. And eventually, there were so many people that wanted it, we decided, okay, all right, well, if we, we've got all these modules we think we're going to teach, if they take these certain mod, excuse me, modules, you could get your requirements at a kind of a, an advanced level, but you could get your requirements for a 200-hour training. So, let's just do it. Okay, we'll do a 200-hour training. It seems like what wants to happen. So Naomi and I, Paul backed out. He was, you know, started to get into it and feel like, you you, you ladies can take this. So Naomi and I started Say Yoga and Wellness 200-hour and 300-hour teacher training program. And similar to opening the yoga studio, I didn't think I was starting a 200-hour training. And I would have said no, like I had continued to say no, but it happens. Uh, of its own accord, really. And so that was three years ago now. And I think we're on maybe like our fifth group of 200-hour teacher trainers, vinyasa yoga 200-hour teacher trainers that have come through the program. And we've had, we're on like our second or third cycle of 200-hour yin teacher trainers. So we have a 200-hour yin program that we're teaching as well in addition to the 300-hour program. So now I've got a yoga school also, and that's happening. And man, it just feels like, I just feel so grateful and so blessed to be able to continue to share yoga in so many different ways and through so many different avenues. And now, obviously, I've got this podcast where I can talk more about yoga and take it into even like further realms like yoga and psychedelics or let's really get into the yoga and psychology or dive into um, the energetics of it all or uh, who knows, who knows where it's all going to go. Yoga and psychedelics is one that interests me quite a bit, the partnering of the two, but that's another podcast in and of itself as well. Um, yeah. Anything else in there? Let me think. Well, there's now there's the kirtan, now there's the chanting. Like I mentioned before, Sheila Bringy, I met through Udaya, and she's uh, the one that sings on my yoga nidra class and, and a few other ones too, with different um, ensembles. But through her, just felt 
um, inspired by her as a singer and a performer and a teacher. And so I invited her when I was doing these teacher training modules to come to Boise and lead like a Kirtan 20-hour training through the school where I would pay her to come as a guest teacher, basically so I could learn from her about Kirtan and mantra and sacred sounds and singing and raga and the, all of that. So she's come with her partner, Brent's three times to Boise and I've taken, you know, all of those trainings and eventually felt uh just ripe, I guess, to get my own harmonium and to begin chanting on my own as like a really consistent daily practice. So I've been bringing that piece. That's like the new frontier piece for me with um, my own practice, and but also my own offering. You know, when anybody asks me now, like, what would you do if you did it just because you loved it? Like, like, what's your secret heart desire? And really my secret heart desire is singing and kirtan and mantra and chanting. I love it so much. I love it so much. It's like, it's like a yoga nidra or a shavasana or... It, yeah, it just drops me into source space so deeply. And I just want to share that. Like I want to share yoga. So that's an edge for me and something I'm blossoming into. Oh, and meanwhile, I never made it to India, right? When I was, uh, well, how old was I? 22 when I was going to go there and didn't. I went to Nosara instead. Oh, and this other piece too. In 2015, um, I'm thinking of the Nosara Yoga Institute. In 2015, I decided I am going to finally assist Don and Amba at, in Nosara. And I remember telling my husband, Bill, that at the time, like, I'm going to go to Nosara and I'm going to assist for the program. It's a month-long training. And he said, I don't care what you do as long as you take the kids. And I just said, done. I'm doing it. And so then that January of 2015, I decided I'm going to go to Nosara for the month. And Don and Amba hadn't asked me to assist the training, but I messaged Amba and I said, hey, Amba, just in case you need more assistance, I'm going to be there the entire month of January with my kids. So if you need anybody else, and they were like, nah, we're full, but you know, thanks, but no thanks. We've got everybody we need. And I just kept at it like, okay, well, I'm coming anyways. And about two weeks before, maybe three weeks before I went down and the training started, Amba reached out and said, we have an opening. Would you like to be an assistant? Absolutely. So I got that opportunity to assist a month-long teacher training with Don and Amba. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. And I'm grateful to Dina and to Rainbow Eric who both came down with me at that time to help me with the kids because it was a full-on like 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. almost every day immersion in the training. And then that was January of 2015. And that summer, Don and Amba decided to retire and close the Institute. So I squeaked in at right at the last minute. And then they went quiet for a while. And uh, last year, they sent out a message and said, we're going to lead our first or bring our first group to India. And I thought, well, that's it. I'm going to go to India with Don and Amba. And they had reconciled with their teacher, Amrit Desai, and it was going to be in a partnership with them. And it happened to be over my 40th birthday. So my 40th birthday present to myself just this past February was to go for two weeks to Rishikesh and be with Don and Amba and study with Amrit for the first time and go to India for the first time. So I finally made it to India and I got to go with my beloved teachers, Don and Amba, who didn't teach very much while we were there, but I got to have so much personal one-on-one -on -one time with them. Hmm, it's just something I'll treasure forever and ever and ever and got to have my first Shakti Pot experiences and um, take my personal practice uh, really to a deeper level and restart it in a big way, especially through like the divorce transition that I've been navigating through uh, the past couple years. So, so grateful for that experience. Being in India, you know, you people say, you don't have to go to India, you know, you're connected to the lineage or, you know, whatever. They kind of can sometimes make you feel like it's not necessary, which is probably not, and they're true. But when I was there, I definitely felt like I was home. 
I felt so resonant with the place and the people and the energy. I remember thinking, oh, this is what people feel like when they say they travel somewhere and I feel like I'm at home. That is what Rishikesh felt like for me. The the spiritual essence and vibe that is infused in the whole city, the whole area historically and just the culture and you know everywhere 24/7 there's chanting and and practice and sadhana occurring and the ganges are there and the himalayas are there and ashrams are everywhere and cows are everywhere and the sense of incense and are in the spices are everywhere and the whole town is vegetarian. The whole town is dry also. There's no alcohol. And so just to be in that frequency, man, man, oh man, oh man, oh man. I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to go back and explore more. So that was a capstone for me recently in my yoga journey. And I'm so intensely grateful for. I'm grateful for all my teachers along the way and just... The way yoga has informed who I am in my career and my offerings in the world and to have the ability to teach the way that I do and have it be my life, I'm just blown away and incredibly grateful for all the teachers that have come before me and now maybe all the teachers that I'm influencing in the world too. Um it's wonderful. It's wonderful that we're all in it together through this practice of yoga. And there's so much more still to come. There's so much more still to come. And I can't wait to see what's uh, like, look back, let's say 20 years from now and all the amazing things that have flourished and been born and died away and the different paths that have taken. And I hope it's inspiring to you all to who, who are on your yoga journey or maybe have no idea what yoga is. I know I didn't really talk much about the practice and its impact on me in much depth besides like the through line of the journey, but hopefully that was interesting for you. And I'm sure there's people and places and things I forgot. Those are some of the highlights. So that's it. That is my yoga journey up to date, up to date till now. Thanks for listening, everyone. Namaste.